0: Passion Week um, is, takes a lot of room in the Gospels. If you read the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, the, the uh, Passion Week takes a lot of the, the Scripture. For instance, if you add up all the chapters of the four Gospels, there's 89 chapters. And Jesus lived, we know, just a little over 33 years, right? The first 30 years of Jesus' life, there are only four chapters devoted to those first 30 years of his life. Only four chapters cover 30 years of Jesus' life. Then there are 85 chapters devoted to the last three and a half years of his life. That was his ministry time, right? And 29 of the 85 chapters that are devoted to just the last week of Jesus is the Passion Week. So one-third of the Gospels is devoted To the last week in the life of Jesus, which is Passion Week. And nearly half of the entire uh, or nearly half of the Gospel of John deals with the Passion Week. Why so much? Why so much recorded about the last week of Jesus life? Well, because it's so important. Right. Because it, it means so much. It was in the final week of the life of Jesus that he gives us some of the, the most important teachings that, that we have today, the important lessons that, uh, that he wanted us to understand as, as we continue to follow him in our faith. The Passion Week um, is some un- uh, an unforgettable picture of how much, how much love God had for the church. It was demonstrated in the Passion Week. In in John 3.16, it says, God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. How many of you familiar with that verse? That's all about the Passion Week, right? It's about him going to the cross, dying on the cross, but being resurrected. Amen. And so somebody said John 3.16 is really the entire Bible in a nutshell. It's the whole Bible condensed in one verse, John 3 16. And so the entire message of the Bible is that God so loved the world. How many of you be grateful? God so loved the world. Amen. And so whenever you study the Passion Week, uh, I wanted to I wanted to give you a little handout, but I, I didn't, I, I, I couldn't find a clear one to print. It was most of them were two pages, but you can Google it. If you Google uh, you know, the uh the Passion Week. The, the biblical chart of Passion Week, you'll, you'll get all the biblical texts of, of Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday and into Sunday when Jesus was resurrected. But um, the, the Passion Week in8, in, in Romans 5:8, it says that God showed His great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. God demonstrated His love to the church. Through Passion Week, and and Jesus loved us so much that He was willing to lay down His life for the church. He knew He was going to be crucified. He could have, He could have, uh, He could have said no, but He followed through and He willingly went to the cross, died on the cross, shed His innocent blood. And and I love what it says: while we were still sinners. Christ died for us. In other words, He didn't die for us because we were such great people that He was like, man, i got to do this for these Cajuns in Lafayette. Amen. No, He said, despite the stubbornness of these Cajuns in Acadiana, I'm going to die on the cross so that they can have salvation and so their whole eternity can be changed. Amen. Now, today we're going to just focus on that Tuesday, as I mentioned, a monumental day in the in the life of Jesus. And on Tuesday, Jesus does a lot of teaching. So he starts off in Bethany. He walks down uh, through the uh, Mount of Olives and he goes to the temple and he starts teaching in the temple and, and he's addressing all the religious leaders. they pumping him with all kinds of questions. And so then he leaves the temple and he goes up to the Mount of Olives. He teaches the disciples and eventually makes his way back up to Bethany. But during that whole time, He's teaching and he's answering questions and he's teaching valuable lessons, lessons that 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 are important for us, for you and I today. In fact, there's over 200 uh, verses of Scripture that are used just to describe uh, what he did on that Tuesday. He taught the parables of the vineyard and the marriage feast and the ten virgins and the talents, and he answered many questions of the religious leaders and the disciples, and and he talked about uh, you know. Remember, he asked, he answered the question of whether they should pay taxes or not. And, and he talked about the resurrection and, and he taught and he taught. And so there's a lot of snapshot lessons that if you read those verses, you could see Jesus beginning to uh, to teach some lessons that, that you and I need to know today. And the people that were around at the time when he was going to be crucified needed to know. And I want to talk about three of them real quick. OK, the first one is this. Accept his authority if you want to experience his power. Accept his authority if you want to experience his power. And so Jesus began his day on that Tuesday, and um, he returns back to the city of Jerusalem. He heads straight to the temple, and the religious leader questioned him about his authority. And this is what they say In Matthew 21:23 it says when Jesus returned to the temple and began teaching the leading priests and the elders came up to him and they demanded by what authority are you doing all these things who gave you the right I tell you by what authority I do these things if you answer one question Jesus replied did John's authority to baptize come from heaven or was it merely human They talked it over among themselves. If we say it was from heaven, he will ask us why we didn't believe John. But if we say it was merely human, we'll be mobbed because the people believe that John was a prophet. So they finally replied, we don't know. And Jesus responded, then I won't tell you by what authority I do these things. So Jesus answers their question with a question and he traps them in their own trap. And so he never does answer their question because they didn't want to answer his question. But the issue in the at hand here in the question is is the question in the life of Jesus who who gave you this authority? Where did he get this authority? They wanted to know how did you get this authority? Who I mean where where did you get this stuff? Like because they witnessed the miracles he did. They heard about the things that he was doing. Nobody had ever done such miracles before, and so they were they were trying to figure this thing out. And so they, as you notice, what was not in question was whether Jesus had authority. That wasn't questioned. They knew he had authority. They wanted to know where it came from. And everyone recognized and realized that Jesus possessed amazing authority. How I many you know Jesus has amazing authority, right? And so, you know, the, the crowd was divided into two. Some people accepted his spiritual authority and some people didn't accept his spiritual authority, right? Here's how the crowd divided up. The religious leaders, they rejected his spiritual authority while his disciples and his followers, they accepted it. The religious leaders rejected it. The followers accepted it. What are you going to do tonight? Are you going to accept his authority? Are you going to reject his authority? How many of you believe it would be better if we accept his authority? Okay, so here's what, here's the results. His disciples and followers experienced his miraculous power. They saw the miracles. They experienced the miracles. While the, religious, while the religious leaders, they didn't experience a thing. Why? Because they didn't believe in his authority. So here's the snapshot lesson. Only those who accept His authority experience His power. Amen. How many? How many of you accept the authority of Jesus? You know, I want you to know because you accept the authority of Jesus, you can experience His power. Amen. Because that's His power follows accepting His authority. Remember, just a little earlier in Matthew 21, uh, when Jesus was on His way into the city and He saw uh, this this uh, fig tree. And he demonstrated his authority and he cursed the fig tree. Remember that story. I want to read a little bit of it to you. In Matthew 21, 18, in the morning as Jesus was returning to Jerusalem, he was hungry and he he noticed the fig tree beside the road. He went over to see if there were any figs, but there were only leaves. Then he said to it, may you never bear fruit again. And immediately the fig tree withered. The disciples were amazed when they saw this and they asked, How did the fig tree wither so quickly? So again, Jesus is illustrating his God-given authority. They never saw anybody curse a fig tree, like curse it and it just shriveled up and died. They, They were blown away. They were amazed. And so they asked, how did this fig tree wither? See, they didn't have full revelation of the authority that Jesus had. I I believe I don't have full revelation of the authority that Jesus has. I'm thinking that maybe you're kind of in the same boat with me, and you might not have full revelation of the authority that Jesus has. But how many of you know the more revelation we get of the authority of Jesus, the more miracles we're going to see in our life, amen? They were taken back. Because of his spiritual authority. But then Jesus flips the script on them. And, and, and it begins teaching them about not his spiritual authority, but about their spiritual authority. And look what he says in verse 21. Then Jesus told them, I tell you the truth. If you have faith and you don't doubt, you can do the things like this and much more. You can even say to this mountain, may you be lifted up and thrown into the sea and it will happen. You can pray for anything and if you have faith, you will receive it. This was a lesson on spiritual authority. If you accept my authority, you can experience my power. And he says, listen, if you have faith and you believe in the authority that I want to give you, you could say to that mountain, it's like he looked at, they were outside, and he looked at the biggest thing he could find, which was the mountain, and he's like, uh, let me see, how, how can I get this point across? There's no limitation to the authority that I'll give you. You can say to that mountain, I'm sure there We're like, oh, come on, I can say to that mountain, move into the sea. He exaggerated the point, but he was trying to get them to understand. There's no limitation to the authority that the Lord will give you. Do you believe that, brothers and sisters? Jesus wanted them to walk in his spiritual authority. And that's the lesson for every one of you today. If you're a born-again Christian, you've given your life to Christ. You have authority, spiritual authority. And he says, if you if you pray and you say to this mountain and if you have faith and you believe that's operating in his authority, that he says that you can pray and you can move heaven and earth if you believe in my authority. Come on, how many of you know there is power in prayer? And I believe the reason why we don't pray more than we do is we don't have full revelation of the authority that Jesus has given us. That we have authority to be able to do things in the spirit realm that no man in the natural can ever do. Amen. Come on, how many of you know as a born-again believer? You're powerful. You are a powerful person in the spirit realm. Amen. Remember the Roman centurion? He had a sick servant who was paralyzed. Remember that story in... And requested the Lord heal his servant. And he's and uh, the Roman centurion uh, asked the Lord to heal his servant. And he illustrates the power of someone who's willing to accept and embrace the Lord's authority. In Matthew 8 and 5, it says that uh, when Jesus returned to Capernaum, a Roman officer came and pleaded with him. Lord, my young servant lies in bed, paralyzed and in terrible pain. Jesus said, I will come and heal him. But the officer said, Lord... I am not worthy to have you come into my house. Just say the word from where you are and my servant will be healed. I know
1: this because I am under authority of
0: my superior officers. And I have authority over my soldiers. I only need to say, go and they go or come and they come. And if I say to my slaves, do this and do that, They do do it. And when Jesus heard this, he was amazed. And turning to those who were following him, he said, I tell you the truth, I haven't seen faith like this in all of Israel. And in verse 13, then Jesus said to the Roman officer, go back home because you believed it has happened. And the young servant was healed that same hour. Wow. Wow. Isn't that powerful? And so this guy, he's a Roman officer. So he's got soldiers under him, but he's got a superior too. And so he says, my servant is paralyzed. Jesus, would you heal him? And, and he says, okay, I'll come and I'll heal him. And, and the, Roman, the, the Roman soldier says, no, 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 you don't even have to go because, I'm going paraphrase a little bit, I know about authority because I'm a man under authority and I'm a man that has authority. And I know if I tell my soldier, do this or do that, they do it. And I know when my superiors tell me, do this or do that, because I'm under authority, it happens. So I know that, Jesus, you have authority. You don't have to come to my house and pray for my servant. All you have to do is say it, and it's done. Amen. Oh, glory to God. How many of you know that you don't have to be in your neighbor's house to be able to make a difference in their life? You can just use your authority and say, bless them, Lord, in the name of Jesus. Are y'all with me out there? You have authority. In Luke eight twenty-two, it says this. One day Jesus said to his disciples, "Let's cross." In the, no, the, I'm sorry. That's uh, that's the storm. The, he's talking about the storm. Let, let me set this up first. Remember, Jesus was in the storm on the Sea of Galilee. His disciples were with him, right? And and he was asleep, and his disciples uh you know the the waves were they they were they thought they were going to drown and so they wake him up and they say man like paraphrase like we're about to drown like do you do you realize what's happening and Jesus gets up and remember what he does he rebukes the winds and the waves and the winds and the waves die down he exercises authority and the disciples say what manner of man is this that even the winds and the waves
1: Obey him. Wow. You know, years ago, whenever I was working
0: in the oil field, I had to go out on a rig to do a job. And the rig was waiting on me because they were at the place where they needed me to do my job. And so it was there was a tropical storm in the Gulf. And um, and so we I drove to Cameron where we were going to get on the boat to go on the rig. And they said, you know, it's it's too rough right now. It'll probably be not before tomorrow, before you go out you guys just go get something to eat and uh, come back and we'll just tell you for sure if it's a no-go and then you can get a room and, and we'll send you out in the morning. So I went to get something to eat and came back and they said, there's been a change of plans, y'all going? Get your stuff on the boat. So we got on this crew boat. It wasn't a work boat, it was a crew boat. Those of you that know the all feel a crew boat's like this, a work boat's like that. We're on a crew boat. And we're in the Gulf of Mexico where there's a tropical storm. And I don't know if you've ever been on a crew boat in a tropical storm or in rough waters, but you're, you're sitting on the bench and the boat comes up off the crest of the wave and, and you're going forward and all of a sudden the boat falls out from under you and your head is at, at the ceiling of the, the cabin and the, the bench is down there. And you coming down and while you coming down, the boat's coming back up on the next wave and y'all meet in the middle. Boom and boom. And it's boom and boom. I got so sick. I mean, I was I was just I think I threw up a gizzard. You know, I mean, I was sick, right? And I can remember just being so sick and and just saying, "Lord, you have all authority." And I just thought about this story about Jesus coming the storm and I said, "Lord, if you could come the storm for the disciples, you can come my storm." And I missed a little point. The uh the captain, he was on the PA system or the the uh, VHS system and and you could hear the conversation with the rig. He said, sir, we're going as fast as we can, but it's rough and the winds are breaking over the, over the bow and, and they're, you know, they're crashing on our, our, um, our windshield and we can't go any faster. It's going to be a while, sir. And, and, and and you could hear the company man say, well, just hurry up. Come as quickly as you can. And then, and so I'm praying, Lord, I'm speaking to the winds and the waves. Come, be still. Be still, Gulf of Mexico. Be still. You know, I'm not sure if it was in faith or what. But, you know, all of a sudden I noticed I wasn't it wasn't as bad and it got better and better. And I can remember the captain of that boat calling the rig and said, sir, it's come down here. We're going to be here a lot quicker. And I thought now I know some people would think, oh, Todd, that was a coincidence. It might have been a coincidence, but I'm telling you, I believe that we have spiritual authority. And whenever you're going through a storm, that you could speak to the storm, the winds and the waves of the storm that you're in, and you could say, hush, be still, and the winds and the waves, they have to bow down, and they have to obey you. Why? Because the greater one is in on the inside of you. Amen. You have the authority of the name of Jesus. Amen. Jesus said, behold, I have given you authority, I've given you power over all the authority of the enemy, and nothing shall injure you. Amen. That's quite a lesson, isn't it? If you got that, say I got that. Here's the second lesson. I don't know if I'll get to the third, but we'll, let's let's try the second. All right. Make your relationships your top priority in life. That's the lesson he taught. Make your relationships your top priority in life. Now, is that the way the world sees? How you do life? No, not at all, right? Not at all. But Jesus is making a—he's—he's a, a, he's teaching them a priority here. He says you got to make your relationships a priority, and this is how he does it. And, and again, a religious leader asks a question, and he—he he responds to the question, and he teaches a lesson. Matthew twenty-two thirty-four. But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees with his reply, they met together to question him again. One of them, an expert in religious law. In other words, he was a lawyer. He tried to trap him with this question. Teacher, which is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? And Jesus replied, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul and all your mind. This is the first and the greatest commandment. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. They ask him a question. He answers the question, but not in the way they were expecting. Right? So he basically gives them the answer. The entire law. And the teachings of the prophets, he says, all the teachings of all the prophets, all the, all the great men and women, everything they taught, you can boil it down to two relationships. Two relations. How many of you know your relationships are the most valuable thing that you have? That's about two people that believe that. I could tell you don't believe that yet, so let me drill down a little bit better. Whenever you get to the end of your life and you're laying on your dead bed, your deathbed, how many of you are going to be hopeful that you have a lot of stocks and bonds that you can ask somebody to go get because you'll need them on your deathbed? How many of you know whenever you end your life, the only thing that's going to matter is your relationships? I've heard it said the greatest joys and the greatest the greatest joys and blessings and the greatest disappointments in life can be traced back To your relationships. Isn't that true? Think about it. If you get your relationships right. Everything else will be okay. Amen. So that's what he's teaching. He's teaching a lesson on relationships. And here's the relational priority that Jesus taught. Number one. Your relationship with God must be your number one priority. It has to be
1: number one. Not your spouse. What? No,
0: not your spouse, not your good friends, not your brother, not not, not your, your compadre. No, Jesus has to be your number one relationship. Are you all with me out there? I want to emphasize the priority here. Jesus says, you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind and soul. This is the first and the greatest commandment. Nothing in life, my friends, is more important than your relationship with Jesus Christ. Now listen, I'm not talking about the most important thing is that you show up at church. That's not what he said. He didn't say that you worship, that you're on the worship team. That's not what he said. That you serve on a serve team, that you lead a life group. That's not what he said. That you study the scripture and that you know the doctrinal truths and the, the theological discourses of the of the, the the ins and outs of doctrinal sound doctrine. That's not what he said. You must love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. My friends, Christianity is about relationship. You need to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Can I get a better amen? You see, it's not religion. They had a lot of religious leaders around them that knew everything about everything. But they the thing they didn't have was an intimate relationship with Jesus and so they couldn't operate in His power and His authority. His power and His authority comes when you develop a personal relationship with Jesus and you start loving Him with all your heart, mind, and soul. Amen? Make your relationship with God your number one priority. What did Jesus say? Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added unto you. Your relationship with the Lord. He said, make that your priority. And notice what He says. All these things will be added unto you. In other words, I will take care of the rest. You just make a priority of being in relationship with Me. Amen? Look at the promised reward. Matthew six I'll give you all these. All these things will be given to you. You know what he says? The heathen, all they do is they worry about what they're going to eat, what they're going to wear. They worry about where they're going to. The shelter. They just worry about worldly things. And he says, listen. Listen, I know you gotta pay your utility bill, and and you gotta buy some eggs and milk, and you got you're hungry, and you gotta eat. And and listen, I understand that you know that 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 car that you're driving, it doesn't operate on fumes. That you, you got to put some gasoline in it. But listen, if you will make my my and your relationship number one, I'll see to it that you get some gas to put in your gas tank, and I'll see to it that you can pay your utility bill. But don't get it backwards. Don't seek putting gas in your tank. Seek me, and I'll help you get gas in. Your- your amen. Come on, I need a better amen than that. Listen, look at this. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will in all that you do and He will show you which path to take. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and do not depend on your own understanding. Seek His will. There's a path that you can live on that will be filled with God's favor, God's blessing and God's provision. But the way you get on that path is you gotta go all, all in, 100%. You gotta make the Lord, your relationship with the Lord, the most important thing in your life. Amen? Now listen, you know, like, you know, I, I, I like to golf. I've golfed a few times. But it's not a priority for me. So therefore, it's been months, maybe even
1: years, since I golfed. I don't even know golf is not that important. But now I like to fish too. Fishing is a bigger priority to me
0: than golfing. And I do that on a regular basis. You see, whenever the Lord, your relationship with the Lord is a priority, you can't go days and weeks without spending time. You see, whenever you're in a relationship with somebody and you really like them, you really love them, and you get married and you put a ring on the finger and you do all of that, It's because you're passionate about them and you want to spend time with them. And our relationship with Jesus needs to be that way. Amen? And one more verse, and, and, and then I'm going to try to squeeze that third point in there. Without faith, it's impossible to please God because anyone who comes to Him must believe that He is and that He's a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. I want you to notice what it says. It pleases God when we walk in faith. We depend on Him.
1: And He is a rewarder of those who diligently seek Him. How many of you know that the Lord, when somebody's going through a storm of anxiety, the Lord can bring peace right in the middle of it? How many of you know whenever somebody is going through a,
0: a time of warfare, that the Lord can slay your enemy and break the power of the spiritual attack
1: instantly and all of a sudden you got peace in your life
0: how many of you know that the lord can reward you when you diligently say so how many of you say i got that todd i got it i got it i got it all right here's the second part of the relationship first
1: priority is your relationship with god but here here's the second part of it your relationship with other people is equally as important as your relationship with God. Let me unpack it. You might be thinking, Todd, I love God. Man, I'm crazy. I just, man, I love the Lord. I just don't like people. I don't like people. I love the Lord. But people, I don't like them. Well, I got bad news for you. That doesn't fit that doesn't fit the biblical truth that Jesus is teaching. He said the first priority is love God with all your heart, mind and soul, but the second one is like it. love your neighbor as yourself he He put them right close together. in fact, he says in um in matthew twenty two thirty nine A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. The entire law and the prophets, demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. Of God with all your heart, mind, and soul, love your neighbor as yourself. In 1 John 4,
0: 7, he says, Dear friends, let us continue to love one another for love comes from God. Anyone who loves is a
1: child of God, and knows God. But anyone who does not love does not know God. For God is love. Who is God? God is
0: love. So you know what Jesus is saying? For those of you that love me, but can't stand the people I created, change your mindset. Change your attitude. Start loving the people that are unlovable. Start loving the people that you don't want to love. Because that's the spirit of what I'm trying to get inside of you. And once you start loving them, that's whenever warfare begins to happen and yokes get broken and people that are going to a devil's hell get snatched out of hell and they get pulled into the kingdom of God like Blue testified tonight and say it was the love of the people that caused me to come back and hear the gospel and get saved. Amen! Come on, how many of you know that it's important that we love other people? We got to love everybody.
1: White, black, red, green, purple,
0: orange. It does not matter. Short, tall, skinny, large, whatever they are. We got to love them. Amen. Come on. Gringos. Jews. Jews. All, everybody. we got to love them all, brothers and sisters. We can't carve anybody out. we got to accept all of them because all of them are created in the image and likeness of God and we are called to love our neighbor just like we love ourselves. Amen. Come on, how many of you know that's a powerful teaching right there? And you know, the incredible thing about it is is that, you know, a recent study was done said 36% of Americans are suffering with loneliness. of young adults, 51% of young mothers. And not surprisingly,
1: because of the pandemic, it's increased incredibly so. But here's the reason why.
0: Jesus said, or not Jesus, but Genesis 2, 18. The Lord God said, it is not good for man to be alone. And when we read that, we say, oh, yeah, that's marriage. No, no, it's not just marriage. How many know if scripture can have way more than one meaning? It's not good for man to be alone. You see, people are lonely because they're living their lives all alone. And whenever you live your life alone, you suffer with loneliness. And when you become lonely, you begin to suffer with all kind of psychological, spiritual, And, 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 uh, and, and all kinds of problems. And you start developing problems with depression and, and sadness and, and emotional anxiety and health problems and heart disease and even mortality. So when Jesus, when God said it is not good for man to be alone and Jesus said, love me with all your heart, mind, and soul, but love your neighbor as yourself, we need to love one another because you're only going to be as healthy as your ability to love one another. The healthiest people know how to love even the unlovable. Amen. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're saying amen right now. But how many of you know that we got core needs in our life that can only be
1: met through relationships? And so Jesus
0: says, Love your neighbor as yourself. And what happens is whenever you start sowing love into other people, it reciprocates back to you. And you start getting affirmation and love back into your own life. I want you to know, listen, if you want, if you want your life to continue to improve, do three things. Accept the authority of God. Walk in it. Live in it. Step out of the boat. Walk on water. Speak to the winds and the waves and say, hush, be still. Number two, begin to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. Don't make him just a, you know, a side, a side, um, priority if you get to it. Put Him on the top of the list. And every day that you live, serve God, worship God, live for Him, serve Him. Just be His his number one His number one servant and you'll start feeling the glory of God filling your life. And ain't nobody going to have to get you up out of bed on Monday morning. You're going to step out of bed with a spring in your step and you're going to be ready to go. And then if you want to add some fuel to the fire and you want to go to another level of anointing, and spiritual power then you begin to love the person at Walmart that don't want to even look up at you and just serve you you just love them anyway amen and when somebody cuts you off an Ambassador Caffrey instead of telling them they're number one just tell them just just bless them just say I bless them in the name of Jesus and stay in the place of peace and live in the joy of the Lord and the anointing of God will begin increasing in your life like never before amen Come on, are y'all with me tonight? Come on, do me a favor and stand up. We're going to leave the third point for later. But come on, how many of you believe that God wants us to grow? He wants us to know and He wants us to grow. And He wants us to go to a whole nother level, right? Now listen, I believe that every everyone in this room knows to some degree The level of authority that God has given you. But I believe every one of us in this room don't have full revelation of the authority that God wants us to walk in and live in. How many of you would say, Lord, open my eyes. Lord, give me revelation. Give me understanding. I want to walk on water way more than I have now. I want to see your power and your authority more than I have now. I need you in my life, Lord. I need your authority. Amen. Come on, some of you, maybe you just need to just re-up and say, oh, no. Listen, I've been letting my relationship with the Lord slack off. I haven't been spending time with Him. I haven't been reading my word. I had not been fellowshipping with Him. But I need to raise my level of loving the Lord tonight. How many of you say, Lord, help me tonight. Help me tonight. Come on. The world is cramming. We're busy people, but we got to make them a priority. Amen. And now listen, tomorrow, when you get up and go to work or, or whenever you go about your day, just begin to just find somebody to just love. Just smile at them. Just say, good morning. How you doing today? you having a great day today. Come on, just begin to love somebody. Just begin to go bless somebody. Come on, just pour out that love that God places in your in your heart and it's going to become like a river and it's going to begin to flow and the more it flows the more you're going to enjoy it and the more you're going to want to flow in it amen and you're going to see your life go to another level come on in jesus name just do me a favor right now and just close your eyes with me i just want you to think about that some people know about god but some people know him intimately and personally Jesus said, You got to be born again. You got to be saved. You got to have your sins forgiven. You got to surrender. You got to give your 100%. I don't know if you've ever done that. And I want to give you a chance to do that tonight because that's the first step. Jesus said, If you want to follow me, you got to lay down your life. You got to take up your cross and you got to follow me. If you hear tonight and say, Todd, I'm not sure about my eternity, but I don't want to leave here tonight without certainty, would you pray for me? If that's you, just lift your hand and we're going to pray for you. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you, ma'am. Thank you sir. Anybody else? Just lift your hand and just say, pray for me, Todd. Now listen, what I can't do for you is mean it. What I can't do is be sincere. That, that's your part. All I can do is just kind of help you pray a prayer. And we're going to pray together as a family. And I want you to just join me. And just from your heart, be sincere. And let's pray to the Lord. And say, say this to the Lord. Say, Lord Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross. Thank you for shedding your blood to cover sins. My sins. I've sinned. And I need your forgiveness. I'm asking you to forgive me. I'm asking you to cleanse me of every sin that I've ever committed. Tonight, Lord, I submit to you. I surrender to you. Jesus, I want to live my life for you. Thank you for accepting me into your family. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen. Now, those of you that, yes, amen. The angels rejoice. We should too, right? Those of you that prayed that prayer, there's a cord in the pew. Or in the pew. I'm still pewing. Uh, in the chairs. If you fill that out, bring it to the, to the table or the, in, in the lobby, the info center. We have a Bible for you if you need it. Or just come up here. We have some here. Tanya and I would love to meet you. But welcome to the family of God. It's the greatest decision you could ever make. Amen. As Pastor Brandon said Sunday in one of the services, people come in here on on their way to hell and they leave here on their way to heaven. People change their path today. Amen. You might have did that online. I encourage you to just follow the link there online. And, And we want to connect with you. We want to help you. Amen. Now listen, before we go, how many of you had a storm in the last day, week, or month? A storm of some size of some sort. The water wasn't calm. They had ripples in your life. Let me see your hands. How many of you say, that that storm is still happening, Todd? That storm is still happening. I want you to just lift your hands and I want you to just close your eyes. And I want you to look at that circumstance right now. And I want you to operate in the authority that Jesus gave you. And I want you to speak to that storm right now and say, Lord, in the name of Jesus, come on, just go ahead and say that. In the name of Jesus. I thank you, Lord, that you've given me authority over the storms in my life. Come on, let's pray together. In the name of Jesus, I speak peace over my storm. I declare I'm getting to the other side. I declare that I'm victorious and I'm going to overcome and I'm going to get through this storm. Now, you sounded like you had about as much authority... As a a a a thimble. Like like you we wasn't even sure what you were saying. We're gonna try it one more time. And I want you to I want you to just um I just want you to operate in your authority, like you know that that you're praying in the name of Jesus, and Jesus gonna back you up, and you're gonna move mountains tonight. Amen. Oh come on, let's say one more time in the name of Jesus. I take authority over all the power of the enemy. I break its power. I break its hold off my life, off my family. In Jesus' name, I declare peace over my storm. I declare peace over my family. I declare I'm victorious in the strong name of Jesus. I pray, amen and amen. 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 I don't know. I don't know if you guys ever have insomnia, or you wake up in the middle of the night and you can't go back to sleep because you're worried about something. That happens to me from time to time, and um, and I've learned that you know, this isn't, isn't aggravating. You waking up in the middle of the night and you you know you need more sleep, but you can't go back to sleep, and then you get stressed out because you can't sleep, and then now your are you, you know your anxiety's through the roof. I want to encourage you: sit back in your bed and just speak to the storm say in the name of Jesus. I command the anxiety to bow down. I break fear off my life. Everything's going to be okay. That circumstance is going to work okay. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures and He leads me beside still waters. Just speak to that storm, the Word of God. Just declare in the authority that God has given you. And you're going to fall asleep. You're going to wake up a few hours later and say, Hey, that worked out pretty good. I got a good night's sleep. Amen. God bless you. If you need prayer for anything, we'll be up here. If not, God
1: bless you. Have a great rest of your week.